Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation fan page podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland and proud supporter of Texas Tech University. Let's meet today's hosts. Hey, well, welcome back to all of our listeners. Uh, we're continuing with our interview with Kurt Langford, who's the uh, president and CEO of the Texas Tech Alumni Association. And and we really spent the the first episode talking about uh, Kurt, getting to know him. And uh, Keith, I don't know about you, but the more I hear Kurt talk, I'm glad we have this guy in charge. What do you think? Oh, there's no doubt. When I the, the day that I've known Kurt for a long time, the day that I knew that he became this in this role of president and CEO, I honestly, and this is not because you're listening, I'd say this to your back, Kurt. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better person for it. And so, you know, it and knowing Dr. Dean, he he wouldn't have stepped down if he didn't know the right person was in place. And yeah, so right. really glad that you're here. Thank you for being the passionate person you are about our university. Can't wait to talk more about this Texas Tech Alumni Association, the involvement that you have, and and just getting to know a little bit more about this for our listeners. So Tell us a little bit more about the history of the Alumni Association. Okay, well, thank you, Keith. I appreciate those kind words. Uh, association has a very strong history, long history. Uh, we all know uh, Bill Dean's been the director, as I mentioned in the last pad- podcast, for the la- last 40 years. Uh, there was a fellow by the name of Wayne James, who was the director before then, uh, who unfortunately just passed away last spring uh, in Arlington. But uh, he was with the ex-students association for years and uh, several directors before that. But uh, a fellow by the name of Camp, I think, was our first alumni director that dates back to 1927. So Mm. the ex-students association dates back all the way back to the first graduating class, believe it or not, uh, which is a storied history. If you come and visit the McKenzie Market Alumni Center and come back and look at the university timeline, uh, this wonderful thing that uh, the team put together on the wall, which kind of tells our story, it helps to tell the history. But it documents that very first uh, graduating class and uh, the ex-students association from way back. So as uh, we're finishing up on the centennial, first centennial, the first 100 years, did you realize that tech is the only school in the Big 12 that's less than 100 years old? A lot of people don't realize that. I didn't know that. Interesting. And uh, we, are very, we are a very young institution by, uh, by comparison. I think Missouri, back when Missouri was still in the Big 12, Missouri and Baylor used to argue there's a kind of an argument between the two of them as to which is the oldest institution. That's kind of an interesting debate. But, yeah. but tech is very young. And when you think about that, and when you overlay on top of the fact that we are not a land-grant institution, we don't have the same benefits that Iowa State, and Michigan State, and Kansas State, and some of these other um, land-grant institutions have, when you think about where we are as an institution, it is rather remarkable what we've achieved in, what, 98 years. It really is. And uh, as we're coming on to the Centennial, I'm very, very excited. I've got a seat at the Centennial Committee with President Skubinick and his team. And it's interesting, as we go into this next century, um, we will celebrate our last 100 years, but figure about 30% talking about our past. Think about 70% talking about where we're headed. And uh, that's very exciting because that's uh, great. past past is important, but uh, it means nothing if we don't continue the charge and really continue the culture that is Texas Tech. I, you know, as I, as I referenced in the last uh, last cast, working with so many schools, Texas Tech and Lubbock, Texas, out here in West Texas, is a pioneering spirit. You know, our first president, Paul Horn. You know what he said at that first convocation is let our let our thoughts be big thoughts. Let us think in worldwide terms. Those were big words out here in West Texas to a bunch yeah. of Lubbockites that 
the you know borderline dust bowl days, right? And right. You think about it and you've seen those old pictures when the ad building is the only building standing, and uh, that was very very ambitious and uh, very exciting time. And you think about where we are, and this has all happened in less than a hundred years. And uh, you have the athletic side of it and all the way in which people know universities by how well their teams play. That's important. But, you know, presidents of universities compete academically as well. And Texas Tech is rising in its academic stature. And that's something that all of our alumni should be should be proud of. We are housed in the McKinsey Market Alumni Center. Um, that's what we used to call the president, the old president's home. <laughs> I say the old president's home. I remember back in the day when I was working there before I was given a tour and Dr. Lawless was in the group and I remember referencing the, the old president's home and he stopped me. You remember Dr. Lawless, you know, he came here from yep. Southwest airlines. He stopped me. He goes, Kurt, wait a minute. Can we, from here on out, can we say the president's old home and quit calling it the old president's home? I'd feel a lot <laughs> better about it. You know, words mean things, you know, it sure does. <laughs> but, but that, uh, the okay, the president's old home. Okay, I got it right. The president's old home is one of the first seven buildings on campus, and I think it was back in the early '90s, uh, back when it was the Ex Students Association. There were the building was rather dilapidated. It was it was in it was in rough shape. Rough rough shape. Whenever there was a dust storm, and this is when I was working there as a student. I remember you could just watch the dust blowing in through the windows. It was it was a, it was a pretty cruddy old place. And uh, but it was home. That was our place. And uh, we officed uh, Bill and Jim and and Marsha at the time. I mean, uh, so many of the Susan who's been there a good while, they officed in the old bedrooms of the home. And supposedly there's a ghost there named George. I don't buy into that. But every Halloween, there used to be a story about the place being haunted. <laughs> but we were debating whether this is going to be the future home of the Ex-Students Association. Do we build a new facility? Or do we stay there? And I am so proud of the fact that our board and leadership bill at the time decided to renovate the old home mm-hmm. and expand upon it. Because as I've been to a lot of alumni centers, and there's some palaces, there's some palatial places out there, but our alumni center is a home away from home for all of our graduates. And when they made the decision to renovate that facility in 1994 and do an 11,000-square-foot expansion, that was such an exciting time because we walked into that old home and it had been made new again. Um, and the original hardwood floor is there and it was restored. And, and the conference room is in the old dining room and the break room is the old kitchen. We still office in the old bedrooms. But what a remarkable place and a proud place uh, that we have that, quite frankly, a lot of our alumni have never seen and experienced. And that's unfortunate. And that's one of the things that I'm really working on. I say often, every time I've spoken at these chapter meetings, when you come back to Lubbock, come by your alumni center. This is your home away from home. That 1994 was the first expansion, 11,000 square foot. That's when we started those ring ceremonies in the new banquet hall. And I believe it was in 2008, after I'd been gone for a while, they did the second expansion. And that's when they did the hall in honor of Bill and Peggy Dean, or Peggy and Bill Dean, as I think it reads on the wall. And uh, so we've doubled the expansion. That's when they put the big ring statue out there. But it's a very large facility, a wonderful facility that's, that anchors the southeast corner of campus. And uh, another little tidbit that I'll tell you, you know, we all know about Will Rogers' horse, horse's rear facing a certain place, mm-hmm. yes, a uh, certain campus. You know, that's a legend, wonderful story. But a lot of people don't realize it, but that Texas Tech ring statue faces in the same direction. So I'll let you connect those coordinates. No kidding. Wow. How about that? There you go. <laughs> I like that. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Give or take a few degrees. 
Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I remember that first expansion in 94. I'll tell you what an impressive, when you walked into that to begin with, it was such a, such a proud thing to see, uh, you know, just really made you feel proud to be part of something special like that. And so, well, and, le- and let me pay tribute, Gerald and Louise Merkett. Y'all wouldn't have met them. I'm guessing they both passed on, but Gerald and Louise Merkett were from Tyler, Texas, and they made the lead gift. I believe it was $300,000 that helped make that renovation and expansion possible. And, you know, you got a thousand, thousand plus names all over that facility. Uh, I often refer to it as legalized graffiti. And it's a <laughs> wonderful thing because, you know, it's, it's sharing the ownership of the facility, right? Everybody's telling their stories through the bricks, the pavers, the tiles, whatever the case may be. But Gerald and Louise Merkett, a humble couple in Tyler, made that lead gift. I remember him coming up and telling me, now don't tell the people at the Methodist Church back in my home, Tyler, that I did this because they're going to be upset that I didn't give it to them. Right. <laughs> I Gerald was known, he was kind of a walking scoreboard uh, in Tyler uh, on Sunday mornings. If he was wearing his red jacket, everybody knew that Texas Tech won the previous day. Wow, that's if great. He, cool. If he didn't have the jacket on, you know, they, they knew not to go talk to Gerald. He wasn't in a good mood. But Gerald and Louise were there for the uh, groundbreaking. Remember both of them with their shovels and Hmm. uh, tipping the dirt and turning the dirt that day. And it was about a year later when we got to that point, Keith, where you're talking about walking into the association. But a year later, we had the ribbon cutting. Unfortunately, Louise had passed. But Gerald was there. And it was a very emotional time for him because Louise wasn't there to celebrate that moment. But uh, both of them are a part of our past. They're a part of our history. Anybody that walks into that lobby, they're going to see the portrait of Gerald and Louise, and that's why they're there, and that's their story, and they're very special, and I am so grateful to have known them. And then, of course, you've got Mickey and Barbara McKenzie that helped make the second expansion possible, and their portrait is on the other end of the facility. So I say this because this means something. These people are representative of a lot of people that give back to Texas Tech University to enrich the experience that students have today. Can you imagine a university and where would be if not for so many that have reinvested because of, of how their lives were changed or the friendships they made and their time at Tech? And there's so many of those stories. It's, you know, it's, it's countless to tell them, but those are, the, those are the names that are on our alumni center and all of our alumni should be alert to them at least. Absolutely. Great tribute. Great people that had started something really fantastic and not just starting on that building, but since we're talking about structures and we also have, you also have another pavilion. Wow. The Fraser Alumni Pavilion. Yes. Uh, So excited. Um, We've uh, had two game days there now and uh, it's open. It's working. We're thrilled. It's not completely finished, but uh, the responses have been uh, fabulous uh, people, I think, are just kind of mesmerized uh, with the expanded space. But the Frazier Alumni Pavilion was open initially about 20 years ago. And I remember we were challenged by Jim Sal, a regent at the time. He just showed up at our board meeting. We were meeting over at the student union. And I remember him challenging and saying, look, if you guys will build um, a permanent structure, I'll put up $150,000 once you raise $150,000. So there you go. It's another $300,000 to build this pavilion. What was initially designed to be an open-air, open-air, concrete-floored facility that we could hose down after every game day. <laughs> and uh, prior to that, we had been, you know, I remember uh, Jim and others in the office, we would work together to put on Fandango. So Fandango, there's a blast from the past. We used to put out these, put up these tents that were rather expensive to 
set up and take down and try to get as many alumni as we could. Homecoming was our big crowd, and it was not a permanent structure. For those that will recall, the Texas Tech Police Department used to be where the pavilion sits today. That's right. And through negotiations and working through all that, the police department got relocated off campus and helped to meet some needs for them. So it wasn't like we bulldozed them off without their without their uh, knowing. Uh, we actually did them a favor in that whole process. There were some negotiations, but that led to where they're located now. But trust me, we made a lot of hay with the students by letting people know that your ex-students association is getting your police department off campus. I tried to milk that as much <laughs> as I could. But uh, we built the built the pavilion, but there was some board members and some people said, you know, if we uh, if we enclose this thing and we HVAC'd it, we could rent this thing year-round. So the cost of the pavilion starts going up, right? And, and we built that thing, but who would have thunk that we would have as many as 300 and some odd events in the pavilion year-round beyond wow. just game day? And again, our purpose is to support the university and academic scholarships and what I would have never dreamed is local rural towns like Ropesville or, or uh, towns, you know, Whiteface or places that are within driving distance that would like to have their high school prom inside the pavilion. Now, think about that. These are a lot of students that are going to be going to tech and they want to do their prom at the Fraser Alumni Pavilion. It's pretty neat. And uh, that's kind of a cool thing. Weddings and banquets and family reunions, just all kinds of events happen there. Now, David Fraser is the reason why we were able to make the pavilion a reality in addition to Jim Sowell's lead gift. But David Frazier was behind the Don Pablo's, if you recall. There was a Don Pablo's over on 50th Street and the Harrigan's restaurants. And when he sold those off, he made a lot, a very nice contribution uh, to help make the pavilion uh, possibility. So when you hear Frazier Pavilion, that's that's uh, part of our past as well. David helped make that uh, a reality. 20 years later, you know, you go to a game, you can't get in there. It's just shoulder to shoulder. At the time, we were afraid we built it too big. We were thinking, oh, my gosh, are we thinking big enough? But remember Paul Horn's words at our first convocation, let our thoughts be big thoughts. And uh, the uh, uh, Chris and Jim and, and our board, they decided to move forward with the pavilion expansion and a bigger vision for what that place can, can be, putting a terrace on it and a doubling the square footage. And it's not finished yet, but we're already realizing the benefits of the enlarged pavilion, which is a pride for it's a pride point for this university. I remember several universities coming in and taking notes. If you go to University of Nebraska, the Champion Center that sits adjacent to their stadium, it was modeled after the Fraser Alumni Pavilion. Oh. The facility over at University of North Texas was modeled after our pavilion. I know University of Oklahoma came and took some notes. They were going to build something similar. So it was a very trend-setting facility in its day, and uh, we've taken it to the next step. If you haven't been to the pavilion yet, we welcome you there. It's it's obviously a membership facility. We encourage you to belong, to be able to come in. And the terrace, partly because it's weight-restricted, we can't get too many people up there, but bronze-level uh, membership and above are able to access our terrace. We're just anticipating bigger crowds uh, as we get into conference play going into the season. That's awesome. Yeah, first time I, I visit Lubbock and get, get to spend some time on the Tech campus, which isn't, by the way, as often as I want it to be. But um, <laughs> it's amazing just the growth and just the, the sprawl on campus. I mean, the facilities, the, the kids these days on campus have no idea how good they have it. And, oh, and uh, that's no it's lie. fun to see. I think that's a big reason why the campus draws so much interest for, you know, the Fraser Alumni Pavilion 
just because, I mean, it is, you know, the hub of West Texas and so much excitement's on that campus. And that's, and no one goes love about at least driving through the tech campus while they're there. Sure, our architecture is part of our pride, yeah, right? Really? I is. mean, that's been, it's that Spanish Renaissance architecture. And again, having visited so many campuses, there's some campuses out there that have some architectural continuity, but the vast majority of it, of them lost it. Yeah. Tech never did. From that first building I referred to earlier on, in this discussion to all the buildings that are there today. I think the English building was the only building that didn't conform to the Spanish Renaissance. And yeah. they ended up tearing that down. Good. But even to our pavilion, the fact that our pavilion and our stadium and, and the arena, the fact that even those conform to the Spanish Renaissance, that's part of our pride. That's part of who we are. It's part of our identity and it's part of our stories. So, Absolutely. Um, I'm proud of our facility over by the stadium, as well as the, the Adobe house that's over on the Southeast corner of campus. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you know, Kurt, as, as, you know, we, we get these uh, episodes out to our listeners. We really hope that through these podcasts, we have, we have a chance to connect you and the alumni association, alumni association with a lot of alumni that haven't quite made that step yet to, to join the association, to get a little more involved uh, on campus uh, as an alumni. So, so for those that are listening in and they wonder, hey, what do I do next to join? What should that step look like for them? Well, I, th- thank you. Appreciate you asking. And, and let me address this. And I don't, I don't want people to think, okay, well, you know, it's a group. They just want my money. I mean, we want engagement. We want connection. And uh, no, any university is only as good as the support of its alumni. And uh, while we have a lot of people who belong to the association, or give back to the university in a variety of ways. Uh, the, there's still a majority that don't, and there's a, there's a variety of reasons for that. Many of them uh, very understandable, but but you know you use the word join, and this is one of the things I'm I'm coming back to. I've talked to my team about it. I've talked to our board about it. We want to be less transactional in what we're doing. Um, while there's a there's a physical thing that you can do to join the association, it's more about we want you to belong. We want you to belong to a community. We want you to be connected. We want you to feel that desire. Um, I'm a big fan of a fellow by the name of Simon Sinek. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Okay. Start with why. Start with why. And I was on the campus of Purdue when a good friend of mine at the Purdue alumni office, we were doing a ring workshop up there and he was working on his MBA and he came up to me and he said, Kurt, a lot of these things that you're saying regarding how to grow your ring tradition, he said, a lot of these things you're saying is what I'm hearing in my MBA class from this book we're reading, uh, Start With Why. And I hadn't heard about it before then. This is probably a good eight, nine, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, I watched the TED Talk. Uh, for all your listeners out there, if you're not familiar with him, Simon Sinek, and it's S-I-N-E-K. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from England. He's got an English accent. But if you could give him 18 minutes on TED Talk, I guarantee you, you will be moved by his talk. It's a, 100% agree. What, what's fascinating about him is he's not a marketer. He's a biologist. And he's more interested in human behavior. And when I listened to him, I immediately went out to the bookstore, got the book, devoured the book. But people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And it's about how to inspire others to take action. And that's my charge with the association is how do we inspire others? How do we inspire alumni to take action, to belong to their university in an engaging way through the alumni association? Oftentimes, you know, in this millennial world, it's transactional. Well, what do I get out of it? What's the value proposition? You know, what's, you know, <laughs> what are the benefits? 
And that's such a transactional language. And that's not to say that there's not something in it for you. But I'm here to tell you that the best thing that's in it for anybody who belongs to the association is the benefit of belonging, being part of the community, being part of something bigger than themselves, and being part of of, of a history that nobody else has the privilege of being a part of that did not attend this university. And I don't mean to get overly emotional or too passionate about it, but that's part of the story that we need to tell. And that's what we are going to be about with the association. We want to really amplify the why of Texas Tech and the why of the Alumni Association. Why should you belong? Because it's about being a part of something big. It's about taking this university to the next level. It's about appreciating the contributions of the past that helped make the university experience that you had what it was and being able to be generous enough to give back. But there's a, there's, there's a benefit in that in the heart. And what Simon Sinek talks about, what's fascinating is it's in the limbic part of the brain where this emotional decision-making takes place. It's not in the neocortex because that's where the pragmatism is. That's where the, that's where all the, the uh, practical thinking is. It's the emotional decision-making. It, it, that's where nostalgia lives. That's where belonging lives. That's where tradition lives. That's where emotion lives. That's where memories live. That's where friendships live. All of those things that are at the heart of what an alumni association is about occurs in the limbic part of the brain. So it's a little bit of a college lecture there for you, but I would encourage you to listen to Simon Sinek if you haven't, any of your listeners. And uh, maybe that'll help give you an idea of who we are as an alumni association and the direction we want to go. There's way too many people that don't belong. But to answer your question, how do you belong? Download the app. We've got a wonderful app. Uh, If you go to the app store, search Texas Tech Alumni Association. There's several tiles on there. That's the way to know where the alumni chapters are. We've got 79 of them, I believe, nationally or in the 70s. Uh, understand the upcoming events, know what's going on, but you can, you can easily uh, join. I don't like to say join. Join is a four-letter word <laughs> to me. But uh, you, can join, you can get online, texastechalumni.org, read up about us, read about the pavilion. If you're in town, when you're on campus, please come by the Alumni Center. We'd love to meet you. Come by and see us. Again, it's your home away from home. Um, $100 is our minimum membership for Century Level. Unless you've graduated in the last five years, you may belong for $50. And then we have different levels beyond that for those that are able to give more uh, as we have graduated uh, giving and different benefits. And um, tweaking the benefits, we're doing some th- things differently. And we're going to be doing a big membership campaign coming in October that we're going to kind of hitch our wagon to the Carol of Lights tradition. Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll share this briefly. When I, when I went to Carol of Lights the last time, it had been a while since I've been there. And of course, I'm there. I'm just been brought back as the director. So I'm feeling a lot of emotion as you might expect, but there's 25,000 lights out there at Carol of lights. We have a few more members than that, roughly about 5,000 more members. But as I thought about those lights on the buildings, I thought about each one of those bulb bulbs representing somebody who's given back and belongs to the alumni association. And I think of their bulb as burning bright for the future of the university. And I thought about the people that hang those lights every year, you know, Rich Cartwright and his team that have to go out and, and hang those lights. And, and what a pain it is to have to replace the dead bulbs. So the bulbs that turn on when they flip the switch that are good year after year after year, that's like a sustaining membership. These are the people that you can count on that give back. It doesn't have to be huge, big dollars. It's the fact that you belong. And even a smaller contribution we will take 
but it's the you know the century level where the benefits kick in is that century. But just belonging means everything because it's an engagement measure. It's an engagement score that's so important for the university and how we stack up against our peers. But the Carol of Lights, I think, is a good visual imagery that we're going to use uh, to kind of correlate with membership. Is our goal is to get more buildings lit up. My goal also is to get the McKinsey Market lit up with the same kind of lights. It's over at Carol of Lights, kind of to visually draw the parallel between the two. And uh, not to say we don't want dimwits out there or dead bulbs, but we want your bulb to burn brightly for the future. So if you don't belong, let me encourage you. Email me if you've got a question, kurt.langford at ttu.edu. Friend me on Facebook. Friend me on LinkedIn. If you friend on LinkedIn, I don't know what you Just connect with me, I guess, on LinkedIn. But let's talk. Let's have a conversation. If you want to get involved, we'd love to have you. But uh, that's a long answer to your question. It's great. We'll put your but, links, uh, your your contact information in the program notes, if that's okay. Yeah, please do. Okay, please do. Well, I tell you what, if there if there is a shining star in the future of tech and uh, tech alumni, it's it's Kurt Langford as the president and CEO, and really proud of you being in this role. Proud for Texas Tech to have a leader such as yourself to be in this role. Uh, again, uh, Texas Tech Alumni Association with Kurt Langford. Those of you who are not a part of this special organization, I encourage you to go online, uh, register, be part of something special. Uh, as you know, Texas Tech alumni like to be part of bragging rights. Make this there you go. the best organization there can be. And together we can really grow this organization and also really be a good support for all the future of Texas Tech campus and the students that are involved with it. Kurt, thank you so much thank for you. being a part of this today. Appreciate it. It's an honor and it's humble to be your leader in the alumni office. Thank you so much. Well, we're proud to have you and we, we really want you to come on periodically. We know we just, I've taken notes and so we've got a lot of material to cover coming up. So yeah. <laughs> please come on and we can and from time to time. We really want you to be on some more. You ask, I'm here. Okay. Well, thank you. And I appreciate everybody listening. Steve, I'm going to let you wrap this up for us. I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a great time to be a Red Raider. It's always a great time to be a Red Raider, but it's only getting better. So, um, you know, thanks everybody for listening. This is the Guns of Nation podcast. Everybody have a great day. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wreck them. Thanks for listening to the Guns of Nation podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the fan page administrators, podcast hosts, and fans, and do not reflect the opinions of Texas Tech University or its affiliates. We are proud to support Texas Tech, its students, alumni, and fans.